This presentation is from UX Australia 2022, day two. Hi everyone, and welcome to Accidental Innovation, the five-week sprint model. Um, my name is Kerry Matheson. I'm head of member journeys at REST Super. I've been in the CX space probably now for about 15 years, working across various um, financial services um, and telco organisations, um, and have a real focus on really making sure we put the member at the, the centre of everything that we do. Today I'm here and joined by the lovely Catherine Gleeson. She is our Head of Human Centred Design at REST Super. Welcome, Kath. Thanks, Kez. It's great to be here. Super stoked to be presenting with you. So my path's been a little bit different to Kez and at least one decade longer because I'm older. But across all the domains I've worked in, including games, digital, uh, education and now the financial institutes. The one thing I think that we both have in common is that we put our members, our customers, the people we're working for first. Yeah, awesome. Thanks, Catherine. Um, so what we're going to talk to you about today is with our accidental innovation is what we did, how we did it and what we learnt from it. So in terms of what we did, so we set out with the task of trying to upskill our staff on human-centred design and design thinking techniques. Um, we wanted to give them an opportunity to experience um, in a way, in a really practical way, how they could apply some of these techniques. And what we did was we wanted to focus on five of our vulnerable member groups. So there's a number of vulnerable member segments within REST and we chose to just focus on five of them. So these include um, segments like our um, First Nations people, members who are suffering from mental health issues, um, members with disability, members who are in financial distress and members who um, have English not as their first language. And so we really wanted to go about building and designing a program that had some really tangible elements that we could go away and implement, but also to upskill our members. We didn't really have the luxury of doing a design sprint across a whole week the way often you would do, because we had like 50, 60 people we wanted to um, share these techniques and tools with. So we ambitiously shrank it down to one day. And we were like, great, all set, post-its ready, Sharpies all lined up and polished, et cetera, et cetera. And then COVID came along and plunged us into our second lockdown up here in Sydney. We were feeling pretty glum for a number of reasons, um, not least because of the, the, the skittles, literally, and the, the lollies and everything else. But we'd, we'd sold it to um, our leadership. We were really looking forward to face-to-face. -to -face. So we had to pivot and quickly expand the model or at least, you know, adapt it somehow. We were thinking we can't have people sitting in front of a screen for eight, nine, ten hours, you know, especially in the middle of lockdown. So what we did was we thought, well, what's a model that we can use that's still essentially at the heart of things has these techniques but it's not delivered in the same way so we basically expanded it over five weeks and what we did was in the interest of keeping people engaged and we've got very time poor people obviously for whom this is not a compulsory uh, exercise we basically divided it into five weeks of roughly one and a half um, hour workshops, including a showcase. A potential problem was what would we lose by going from an immersive one-day model and pivoting to something which was, you know, separated by weeks? Would people even come back? Because as I said, they didn't have to. This is not a compulsory. This is an offer. So to mitigate that, we set up uh, Slack channels, basically, for each of the five teams, each team focusing on an individual member cohort. 
And we also obviously use the equivalent of, um, you know, Miro mural, Atlassian whiteboards. Um, but, but yeah, we did have that worry about would they even come back? Yeah, so this was, you know, I think a lot of us will be familiar with some standard sort of empathy mapping um, type techniques of, you know, think, feel, act, etc. Um, but with 50 people um, in, in this workshop, um, as Catherine said, optional, breaking them out into five groups and each of them had a team leader um, as well. So we nominated the team leader and we trained, sort of did a train the trainer and briefed them on what the activities were. So we're in this group. Um, we've done a bit of the intro, starting to do the empathy mapping, um, and you're starting to. We were starting to see um, some great insight coming out. So Kath and I were were jotting between the five virtual breakout groups, um, checking in on people, and what we could see was every single one of the groups were starting to really put themselves in the members' shoes and starting to contribute to those maps and starting to build a picture. It was when we started to approach week two. And this is really when the magic started to happen. So um, if we reflect and sort of say that, you know, we had these Slack groups, we had the whiteboards, we had people broken up into groups, we had them nominated into uh, the different um, member segments that we we're focusing on. But do you know what started to happen? What we had injected into the program that we did very much by accident was reflection time. So people were able during this between weeks one and weeks two, were able to take the time to add more and more materials into the Slack channel. Now we're doing this after hours and they were doing it with articles they have found. They were doing it with what our competitors were doing. They were doing it with what our non-competitors were doing and they were adding to those Slack channels. 50 people participating, more than 50 articles shared by week two. That's pretty amazing. Remember, this is an optional program for people to participate in, and they're here engaging, researching, and interacting with these things. So um, the first one there, you can see um, a uh, visual um, simulator tool for people with color blindness to start to say, well, what would it look like for them? So then some of the questions start going, well, what does this mean for our website? What does it mean for our EDMs and the way that we present information? Are we enabling our vision impaired members to be able to, to read our collateral, um, you know, sufficiently? So 15% of the world, you know, suffering um, with some sort of disability. So bringing those to light and really, you know, so thinking, wow, this isn't a small percentage of our membership base. This is significant and we need to be focusing on and supporting those members. We found other initiatives like Played It Forward and other um, initiatives that, you know, mem our staff, you know, really started to connect with and were sharing you know, things that perhaps we could learn from it and do something about. But the one I love most is in the top right-hand corner, and this is where um, we put ourselves in our non-English speaking members' shoes, of which many of the participants had uh, family members who don't speak very good English. And we used the Google Translate to see, wow, this is what our website would look like if it was translated into Greek. It was quite amazing to even know these tools existed, but also to see how the translation worked and how um, you know we could learn from this as well. Kath, do you want to add anything else? Because I think this was just such a, a pivotal moment when we started seeing these articles, wasn't it? Yeah, it really was. Uh, just just because, especially as Kez mentioned, they were doing it like at all hours of the day and night and even on the weekends. And I think that what they were experiencing, in fact, um, is that, that, that they were a part of something bigger than themselves, you know, and it wasn't just about work. This is about the power of building a knowledge base that they shared, which is a, a really seismic shift 
And the other thing that we noticed, a byproduct, was this um, sense of community building in each of the um, teams themselves. And when they came back at week two, that was really evident because people had started sharing from lived experience, from their experience, from people they knew, from their parents, friends, etc. Um, so they'd really stepped way beyond just, just doing regular research even and had become completely sort of paid up, passionate and committed. Now, by week three, because of the very rich um, body of knowledge that was building up that these people, our participants had created for themselves, established for themselves, we plunged straight into um, rapid ideation, which seems like a bit of a contradiction when you think about the long periods of reflective practice in between. The ideas were so strong that when we did uh, an exercise like Crazy Eights, which for those of you who haven't done it, absolutely urge you to do it. It's fantastic. And it's proof that everybody yeah. can draw, by the way. If you can draw a square, a triangle, and a squiggle or whatever. So basically what we had was the power and the quality of the ideas coming through these exercises where you draw eight ideas in eight minutes. That reflective practice had provided a strong foundation um, for all these ideas to come into play. We moved into week four and off the back of the crazy eights and of the other rapid ideation, what we started to do then, and this is something that we hadn't necessarily planned, we certainly were thinking about it would be great to visualise some ideas, but what happened was that we were working with each team individually and I was encouraging them to sort of craft their stories in a three-act structure. So this is the profile of the person, this is their problem, this is how we're going to solve it, happy ending. What Kerry did in the background was quickly scribe based on their best ideas that they had upvoted and everything else. And this is not something we planned or rehearsed. And basically what you see here is the essence of what followed which became a really powerful communication tool, a story on a page. The cornerstone of the storytelling uh, looked like this, which isn't terribly different to to the very, uh, very spontaneous, quick three-act structure story that Kerry had scribed the week before. Do you like to add to anything else here, Kes? Yeah, well, and first of all, I'll say that was my terrible drawing. And to Kat's earlier comment, apparently everyone can draw, but, you know, that was my scrappy um, drawing. But it really did. It was just synthesising what the teams were saying. And it was really vivid. Like, they were really clear on what they wanted to do. And some of the things that came out and, you know, the pride that came from these more polished versions when we presented that at Showcase, you know, was also amazing. Like, I think, you know, the teams really felt like they produced a, a quality artifact fact that could be shared and had longevity as well. But, you know, if I take you back to, remember we did the um, Google iTranslate for the website? Well, the guys, as they were going through um, this session for the non-English speaking uh, member, and we've taken Shu, an international student, as an example, is like, well, they're going to arrive in Australia, start a job, not necessarily have heard about REST or know what superannuation is. So they're going to sign up to REST as part of their, you know, employment process. They're providing their bank account details, et cetera. But they're not necessarily going to know what that means. What if they went to Google iTranslate and translated REST, which equals lying down, and super, which means wonderful? Well, they're going to be really confused by what REST Super is. Um, and so what that's done is made us think, okay, well, when we're doing onboarding collateral, we need to inject in there some information around our proposition, who we are, what superannuation is, a bit of that 101. And I think it just really brought to life, like, it was a real aha moment of just like, wow, these members just really won't know who we are. 
And so then we went and started to map out, okay, well, what would an ideal service journey be for, for Shu? And that would be that she'd sign up, but she'd be able to tick a box to indicate what her preferred language is. And from there, she would receive the welcome information in her language, which would then take her to a section on the website, you know, still in language that would have, you know, the PDS and those sorts of materials translated and even be able to choose an avatar of her choice that, you know, she had an affinity with um, and some simple, um, you know, visual tools to take her through what are the steps in, you know, setting up your super account. So, you know, a very simple example, but um, from the solid foundations that were developed through the weeks of the, the heavy empathy and taking the time to reflect, it was really clear on what a very simple journey could be for Shu. Absolutely. And I think that those outcomes, we certainly, I don't really think we'd be able to achieve that that deep thinking and reflection if we'd done it all in the space of one day. Often in human-centred design and design thinking practice, we visualise things, um, but we don't always ask ourselves why. So I'm just going to quickly quickly show you why we knew this was a good idea in advance, even though it wasn't completely planned to have that as the cornerstone. So basically there's a lot of very solid data from thousands and thousands of studies all around the world about the power of visual thinking and the power of visual, you know, how we intake visual information and process it, and some of which I'm sure you're going to be familiar with, but I'll take you through it. 90% of the information transmitted to our brains is visual versus around about 10% text and other material or information. Fascinatingly, we process visual information 60,000 times faster than text. What's interesting is how much we remember so when we think about that, those the cornerstone of people's showcase is that single frame story, essentially. So it's just the act of either receiving visual material or even making it means that we remember it for longer. And if it's good, it's, you know, there should be some power in that. Yeah, I'll just say it's no accident that this presentation has been drawn and there's lots of visual elements to it. Um, we're hoping that you will, after three days, remember 65% um, of, of this presentation. Um, but yeah, thanks, Kath. You've done a great job in, in uh, visualising all of this. Having the time and being able to reflect in between each of the the weeks really allowed us to improve the process for the participants as well. So if we had have done it in a full day, we wouldn't have had that ability to optimise at each stage. So we just ran a simple survey after each session, um, took feedback and, you know, simple things that we implemented, like helping support the facilitators in each of the breakout groups a little bit more, etc. What it led to was people coming back week after week. They really enjoyed this program and, you know, what they're doing now is still talking about it and still want wanting to engage with those segments, even now that it's done. And, you know, Kath and I have spoken about this. If we had have done in the one day, I think there would have been, you know, a lot of fun, a lot of energy. But I think by doing it, you know, in the five weeks, we did get those those deeper and richer um, results that came from that. So that was kind of the final piece um, was the process improvement around the, that came out of the, the reflection time as well. So reflecting on our reflection over the five weeks, um, certainly there, there are things that we would have hoped for that were fundamental, but we also discovered some things that were, you know, a, a, a wonderful surprise. So number one, of course, we hope that our participants would engage in some level of empathy or experience some empathy. But in fact, um, they were empathetic in spades. 
and the research they did and the discussion and the, the quality of their ideas really, really demonstrated that. Along with that, of course, emerged these communities and the relationships between people, between peers and among and across the teams. Um, innovation, of course, you always hope for, you know, a couple of good ideas out of the process for this, but there were many, many great ideas to the point where those, that body of ideas has now built a strong foundation for current and future innovation. Also, the, the vivid service model, um, which, which, as we mentioned, is not something we necessarily planned, but it just that one single page story that encapsulated all those ideas was a really fantastic clear service offering. And last but not least, of course, what Kerry was talking about in terms of process improvement, having the bandwidth, that reflective time, thinking time, that would allow us to respond to what people needed as well. We're asking our participants to be reflective and responsive. And, and of course, we were too, because the process just kind of swept us along. Our reflection and, you know, our, I guess, parting words to you if you're you know, wanting to run a similar sort of ideation program is to just remember that innovation isn't a linear process and don't underestimate the power of time. So the power of time in this instance really, as Cass said, the deep empathy, the relationships and pivoting to better outcomes. So enabling us to, you know, week on week build and develop um, was just instrumental to getting those outcomes and I guess, you know, pivoting or shimmying um, to that end result. So we hope that our short presentation today has given you something to think about, um, pardon the pun, um, something to think about and, and, you know, maybe think, you know, in a world where we're all about, you know, increased velocity, sprints, um, you know, time to market, you know, how can we inject a little bit of reflection into everything that we do? So thank you. Thank any, you. Any questions or I guess any reflections on how you might now take this and start to think differently about some of the things that you're doing?